Grab your Bibles. Hallelujah. Grab your Bibles. We appreciate you, oh God. We glorify you. We magnify you. Hallelujah. Uh, as you turn your Bibles to Joshua, um, Joshua chapter 6. Joshua chapter 6. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. While you're looking at Joshua, while you're trying to find Joshua through the tears and through the praise, just, just, just whisper to somebody, we're going somewhere. Go ahead, go to Joshua. Uh, hallelujah, hallelujah. Sometimes you got to announce that to your neighbor. Because if your neighbor don't catch on, your neighbor going to get left behind. Amen. We're, we're moving into a season where we can't drag folk along no more. Amen. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Either you're going to get up and come on with us or you're going to get left behind. Amen. God's got some things he got to do. And we holding up progress. Hallelujah. Joshua chapter 6. I'm going to read verses 6, 7, 15, 16, and 20. Joshua chapter 6. I will be reading verses 6, 7, 15, 16, and 20. You can read silently as I read aloud. Then Joshua, the son of Nun, called the priest and said to them, Take up the Ark of the Covenant. And let seven priests bear seven trumpets of ram's horn before the ark of the Lord. Verse 7. And he said to the people, proceed and march around the city and let him who is armed advance before the ark of the Lord. Verse 15. But it came to pass on the seventh day that they rose early. Somebody say early. About the dawning of day and marched around the city seven times in the same manner. On that day only they marched around the city seven times. Verse 16. And the seventh time it happened when the priest blew the trumpet that Joshua said to the people, Shout! For the Lord has given you the city. Verse 20. So the people shouted and the priests blew the trumpets. And it happened when the people heard the sound of the trumpet and the people shouted with a great shout that the wall fell down flat. Uh, the wall fell down flat. Then the people went up into the city. Every man, say every man, straight before him and they took the city. Amen. You may be seated in the presence of the Lord. The word of the Lord is already blessed. We have come out of what we call life night. It is our New Year's Eve service and every church that I know of pretty much with exception of a few had one. It was where we gathered together and we celebrated out with the old and the beginning of the new. We had banners and, and balloons and party favors and streamers and hats and, and, and many uh, uh, played all kinds of music and we danced and we shouted and we praised God and we did all of these things celebrating the outward uh, going of an old year and the coming in 
of a new year. But I found that after the balloons have all been popped and uh, party favors have all been put up and, and all of the shouting and the cheering and all of the celebration is over, there is a reality. And that reality is that we have never been this way before. We have embarked in a territory or on a journey that we have never taken before. I know many years have passed, and the older you are, the more years have passed for you. But even if you are eight years old or you are 80 years old, this is a new year. This is something different, and you've never been this way before. Uh, Habakkuk um, talks to the leaders of any ministry of any vision or any church or any vision. And it says, write the vision, Habakkuk 2 and 2, make it plain on tablets that they who run, who, they will run who read it. But even when we cast the vision, even when we write it on tablets and we make it plain, there are some evidence or there are some times in this new journey when it will be flown in foggy situations. Yeah, there's a story of a man named David. David was uh, um, uh, in ministry. He was a Christian, and he had been off on this long missionary journey. And, and David was now finished with that mission, and he was on his way home to see his family. He was on his way home to vacate, to take a vacation. And, and when he got on the plane, he, he, he was uh, uh, anticipating seeing his family that he hadn't seen in months. And, and so he hurried to it, looked at his ticket, and hurried to his seat, and, and he put his bag in the overhead compartment, and they didn't even have to ask him to buckle his seatbelt. He buckled his seatbelt, and he was ready to go, and he was sitting there waiting on the plane to take off. And then suddenly, the captain comes on the, uh, uh, on the, uh, on the airways, and he says, um, I'm sorry to inform you, but we um, have experienced a thick fog, and we're not going to be able to make this flight. So we're going to have to cancel this flight, and we're asking that each one of you um, disembark the plane and go, and we will make other arrangements. Well, David now becomes infuriated, and David starts complaining loudly to whoever would listen. David starts saying, you can't pay me the thing. That this airline with all this money can't fly in a little bit of fog. The pilot ought to be trained enough where he ought to be, he should have flown in many foggy situations. He, he ought to be able to fly in the fog. Let's go. Why are we getting off the plane? Come on, let's crank these engines up. I done paid my money. It's time to go. You know how we Christians can show out from time to time. Don't, don't sit there and look at me like you don't ever show out because sometimes when you go to the store and they done mess with your money, didn't give you the correct change, you're not polite with the cashier. You, you raise in hell. And, 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 and the only way you won't raise hell if somebody's they've seen you on TV at your local church. But many of y'all done cut the food over $2 worth of change. And many of you have changed the price on an item and brought it up to the cash register. And when they gave you the real price, then you want to cut the food. No, no, it was under the banner that say, Two for a dollar. Two for a dollar. No, ma'am. This is three dollars and fifty cents. No, two for let me see somebody bigger than you. Raise all that hell to find out you wrong. Yeah, Christians like to show out. 
And so David is showing out on the plane, and he's saying, with all these stewardesses here in the palace, and, and I know they got radar up in the tower. They ought to be able to talk to pilot. Let's go, let's go. I got to get home and see my people. I know it's a little fog, but a little fog ain't nothing. Let's go. And so a stewardess is walking by, making sure everybody has gotten off the plane. And she bends over to him. He's complaining very loudly now. And she says, sir, federal regulations require that at least one quarter of a mile is clear in order for us to fly. Am I right? And if that's not the case, we are not allowed to fly the plane in the fall. And this man continues to complain. Then the Lord starts talking to the man. And the Lord says to David, he says, David, do you know the pilot? <laughs> David says, no, no, God, not really. He says, for all you know, the pilot could have forged his license. <laughs> David, for all you know, the pilot could have a drug problem. <laughs> David, for all you know, the people up in the tower might not have been adequately trained to read the radars correctly to guide you through David. For all you know, everybody up in the cockpit could be drunk. David, for all you know, you don't know anything about these people's character. You don't know anything about these people's flying skills. But yet... You are willing to bet your life on their ability to get you through a fall. David quiets down now. And God says, I find it very hard to believe, David, that you will trust a man that you do not know to take you somewhere that he cannot see. But you will not trust me to take you somewhere where I see everything. And that's what I want to talk about this morning. The art of flying in a fog. The art of flying in a fog. Uh, last night we talked about pressing forward. And that's the theme for this year. We are pressing Forward, But in order for us to press forward in 2011, we're going to have to learn the essence of trust. We're going to have to learn what it means to trust, especially when we enter into the fog of life. Because I came to tell you, there are going to be a whole lot of good things that's going to happen to each and every one of you in the year of 2011. It's going to be a great year. It's going to be a year of blessing. It's going to be a year of exaltation. It's going to be a year of coming out and coming up and moving forward and moving ahead and, and doing all these great and wonderful things. But all, every now and then, you're going to run into a fog. And you're going to have to learn the essence and the meaning of trust so you can navigate your way through the foggy situations in life. And the first thing that we have to learn to trust is we're going to have to learn to trust in the promises of God. 
Yeah, 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 yeah. Y'all hear you. I hear you. I hear you. I know you're not saying nothing, but you're saying everything. Uh, uh, what I see coming out your mouth when your mouth ain't moving is I see you saying, well, pastor, you want me to trust in God's promises, and I didn't get everything that he said in 2010. And in 2009, 8, 7, and 6. I've been waiting since 2000 when everything was supposed to shut down on some things that God said, and I ain't got them yet. And here we are a whole nother year, and y'all singing the same old song, talking about trust God for his promises. I don't want to trust God. God don't pay off like he says. I've been waiting on some things that God has spoken to me and I haven't gotten them yet. Why should I trust God? Well, I'll tell you, I'll tell you, I'll tell you. Because truth is the essence of God's nature. In other words, God cannot lie. Even when God has tried to lie, truth comes out. He does not have that ability. Yes, a God who can do anything, everything, anywhere, anytime does not have the ability to lie. And if you look back in the text, go back a little bit, a couple of verses. In Joshua 6 and 2, uh, uh, um, God tells Joshua, And the Lord said to Joshua, See, I have given Jericho into your hand. It's king. And it's mighty men of valor. If you go back a little further, he, he, he promises Joshua, he says, as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. And Joshua could not go ahead in battle until he realized that I'm going to have to trust God at what he says. Anybody with me out there? Y'all mighty quiet. I hope you listening. Yeah, yeah, yeah. God will deliver what he promised if we are at the place where he delivers. I'll say that again for you, Miss Lily. God will deliver what he promised if we are at the place where he delivers. Many of us suffer the tragedies of misdeliveries because we don't trust God, trust that God tells us the truth. And now God is delivering your miracle at an address that you are not at. Look at that. So in 2011, we're going to have to find out where we really live. Oh, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Y'all will get that on the way home. Some of us have been staying at somebody else's house, waiting on God to deliver mail to us. And God is saying, I have already done what I promised. You are just not at the place to get it yet. Let me calm down. Maybe I'm hollering at y'all too much. Look at somebody and say, do you know your address? The promises of God have are, the Bible says the promises of God are yea and amen. And which means that God has already done what he said. But it's up to us to get to the place where that promise or that miracle has been delivered. That means if God has a miracle for you, maybe God has a miracle for the humble you. But you're too arrogant right now to get it. 
Maybe God has a miracle for the calm you, but you raised too much hell right now to get it. Maybe God has a miracle for the quiet you, but you talk too much right now to get it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You got to find out what your address is, where you live. And if you're not where you're supposed to be, 2011 is your time, baby, to get where God has been delivering your mail. And I'm not talking about you church hoppers either. Because some of y'all been hopping churches talking about some, I'm going where God is speaking to me. God was speaking to your behind where you were, but you wasn't still enough to listen. Now you somewhere else eating somebody else's food, wondering why you not growing. So we got to trust that God's word is truth. If you need proof of your future with God, you're going to have to look at your past with him. God propels us into our destinies one testimony at a time. Faith for the future is based on the deliverances of the past. If God did it for me then, he'll do it for me right now. And he'll continue to do it for me in the future if I faint not. Yeah, yeah. God has a history of performing miracles. Impossibilities are boring for him. You got to trust God that what he says is the truth. So I can make sure we're on the right page. Look at your neighbor and say, what God says is the truth. Secondly, not only but that we must trust in God's uh, 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 trust in God's truth, we're going to have to trust in the plan of God. Yeah, yeah. Verse 7 says, and he said to the people, proceed and march around the city and let him who is armed advance before the ark of the Lord. The plan of God is always to our advantage and for his glory, even though it makes absolutely no sense. Now, I'm the only one, I guess, that has been given a mission or told to do something by God, and it made absolutely no sense. I can really bring it home to you because some of the places that you're living in and some of the places that you're walking in right now make no sense if you really look at it. The job that you are working right now, if you really looked at the qualifications of the job and looked at yourself closely in the mirror, it makes absolutely no sense why you there. Some of y'all keeping kids and hate children. Makes absolutely no, and good at it. Good at it. I mean, they flocking to bring you your kids, bring you their kids, but you don't want none. Makes absolutely no sense, yet you are called to do it. Many of you have been called to lead these organizations or these ministries here in the church, and you're not people person. You don't want to deal. You really want to cuss everybody out that's under you. Make 
makes absolutely no sense, yet you are called to do it. Called to do it. Some of you are born managers, but you're called to serve. You're born leaders. You used to telling everybody what to do. But God has you working, answering to somebody. It makes no sense. I walk around in a, in a, in a school, and I talk to the principal of the school. And the more I talk to the principal of the school, I realize that we are on the same level. She has a budget that she's in charge of. I have a budget that I'm in charge of. She has a payroll that she has to pay. I have a payroll that I have to pay. She has people who are under, I have people who are under me. She is in control of the lives of people and children. I am in control of the lives of people and children. We are on the same level, yet I have to say yes ma'am to her. It's just a matter of locations. If she came in here, she would have to say yes sir or yes pastor to me. But because I'm in her location, I have to serve her. But what I found is my ability to serve her moves me to a better point to lead others. So the more of a servant I am over there, the better leader I am over here. So which means now if I'm serving her, I can't always gripe and complain about my servitude because it disqualifies me for my leadership. You can't ask more from God over here and do little for God over here. I'm preaching harder than y'all saying anything. Must be the collar that I got on choking me. Yeah, yeah, but God is choking this out of me. Because we need to know in 2011, shut up and get to work. What's that too plain for him? Blame him. He told me to say it again. Shut up and get to work. And most of the time, God will call us to do things and to work in areas that we don't understand. But understanding is not always the prerequisite to obedience. God didn't tell you you had to understand. He said, obey. It's because that he, God, sees your journey from a different level than you do. Let me, let me share this with you, and I'm about done, because we're going to see the football game. When Quad come to church, I'm going to make sure we're going to see the football game. And I ain't dogging out Quad, because Quad always here. But if he can get up and come here, I can get him out where he can see his game. That means he's going to come next week, too. I'm, I can mess with Quad. That's all. That's why I'm doing it. God sees your journey 
from a different level. This is why. Because God is transcendent and God is imminent at the same time. He's transcendent. In fact, when you're describing God, you say he has a transcendent eminence. A transcendent eminence. So you can sound Bible, biblical, or uh, theological. Look at your neighbor and say, God has a transcendent eminence. Now, so you'll know what all that was you just said. I break it down. Transcendent means a state of being or existence above and beyond the limits of material experience. In other words, God is above us. He is God. I know you want him to be your big brother, be your friend when you're friendless, be your mother for the motherless, be a father for the fatherless, be a company keeper, lawyer in the courtroom, doctor in the sick room. You want him to be all of that. But let me tell you, the first and foremost thing he is, he is God and you are not. And God has to be served and obeyed. Isaiah 55 and 9 says it plainly. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts higher than your thoughts. God is God and you ain't. We run the problem because we think we are as intelligent as God is. So if we don't understand what God says, then God is the one that's off. Could it be that you are the one retarded? Oh, that's not politically correct. Special needs. Challenged, severe, retarded. Because let me tell y'all something. Some of y'all bypass them cute names. Go straight to ignorant. Because we do, we do, we do. When we think that our way is better than God's, that's ignorant. We think that God doesn't see us, that's ignorant. He sees everything that we do. As a matter of fact, he knew it while we were on the way to it. And God is standing as God, hoping that we unretard ourselves. I know it's not a word, but it felt good right there. D retard. <laughs> because he's saying, I can tell you that's not good for you. Why do you keep going that way? I, this is not in my notes, but can I just th- drop this in there? Y'all is retarded to try to bring 2010 stuff right. into 2011. Yeah. It didn't work then. It It ain't going to work now. Leave all the mess back there. 
Learn from the mistakes and move forward now. Okay, God is transcendent. He is God. Secondly, God is imminent. Eminence is God's active connection and closeness with mankind and the universe. In other words, although God is separate from us, he is God, God is also with us. And that's a, and that's a oxymoronic uh, 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 idea about God, that he's so far yet he's far away, far above us, yet with us at the same time. But to the Christian, it works out for our good. Let me give you the scripture to back that up. Acts um, 17 and, and, and 27. Paul is at a place called Mars Hill where all of the philosophers hung out and they discussed biblical and theological and philosophical things. And they were around talking about who is God. and They were talking about the God of the hills. Uh, um, that's where we get that scripture. I will look to the hills for which cometh my help, my help. Coming from the Lord, and we've written songs about that, and we've sung about that, but that's not what that scripture means. God, uh, the people at Mars Hill uh, believed that God was a God of the mountain, that he was the God that dwelt in the hills. And what Paul was trying to get them to see is, y'all look to the hills for your help, but my help comes from beyond the hills. God is just not relegated to the mountain where you are. God made the mountain, so he's above the mountain. So in this text, um, uh, Paul is saying, um, verse 27, so that, should, so that they should seek the Lord in the hope that they may grope or feel or touch him and find him, though he is not far from each of us, and this is the one that everybody knows. The A clause of verse 28 it says, For in him we live and move and have our being. So even though God is God and is above us and separated from us, God is also close enough that we can dwell in him and he dwelled in us. So what does that mean, Pastor, in connection to this sermon that you're preaching? God is always above the fog, yet he's right in the fog with you. And that's a unique perspective that Christians have to grasp hold to. That I serve a God who can see beyond my circumstance, yet walk with me through my circumstance. And it gives me the courage to press forward because I got a God above me and a God with me. Oh, yeah. Yeah, y'all y'all get that concept. The God from above saw that earth was in a sinful state. But the God from within came and died for us. The God from above said that we should be destroyed. The God from within said, no, they should be saved. Yeah, 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 yeah. God from above says that, no, no, we should wipe them out. God from within says, no, we should wash them and push them forward. The same God in two places. Above us and in us. I got to go. We must trust the, uh, must trust the promises of God. Secondly, we must trust the plan of God. And thirdly, we must trust the power of God. 
God. Uh, we got to understand if we're going to navigate our way through the fog, we got to understand that God's power is preeminent. It's preeminent. The power of God is highly distinguished. It's outstanding. It stands out among all others because of its superiority. God has the power. God's power is without limits. God's power is without equal. God's power is without challenge. God has the power. Look at about three people and say, God has the power. Oh, come on, God. Tell, tell two more. God has the power. Yes, he does. He has the power. God can do anything. Grandmama used to say, God can do anything but fail. Oh, yeah, y'all not churchy enough for me. Yeah, God can do anything. God's power is preeminent. God's power is also personal. God empowers us to participate in the miraculous through the power of the Holy Ghost. God said in the book of Acts, he told his disciples, he said, if y'all all get together, get the same agenda, Get the same mind. Go the same way. I will send a comforter. I will send the Holy Ghost. After you receive it, you will have power. Not to shout, run, and bump your head, but power to witness. The power of the Holy Spirit is a motivational power. It strengthens us. It motivates us. It empowers us to do the work that God has called us to do. You dance because of your emotion. You witness because of the Holy Ghost. You run because of your emotion. You have compassion because of the Holy Ghost. Uh, the Holy Ghost don't get on you. The Holy Ghost works on you. You don't catch the Holy Ghost. The Holy Ghost catches you. Smile, James. Smile at me. Thank you. See, 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 I, I'm, I'm not picking at James, but sometimes when you're going through situations and circumstances, you're trying hard to fight through it, to be a part, and, and, and you just kind of just sit there and hold, and you need encouragement. And my job, my job is to encourage. So I'm, I'm, I'm going to walk him through it, help him through it. Y'all don't know what he's going through. Ain't none of y'all business, unless he tell you. But my thing is, I'm with you. I'm walking you through it. And I'm going to help you press through it, all right? I got you. You know I do. And that's the way we got to be for each other. Everybody has a day, but we don't know if it's a good one or not. But one thing I do know, everybody don't have a bad day at the same time. So those of you that's having a good day need to reach over and help somebody that's having a bad day. That's how we press forward. Grab somebody by the head next to you and look at them and say, I got you. And I'm going to use incorrect stuff for real though. I got you. I got you. The Holy Spirit navigates us through our foggy situations. You want to get through grief? Let the Holy Ghost help you through it. 
You want to get through sickness, bad times, bad relationships, um, suffering through bad decisions. Allow the Holy Spirit to help you navigate the foggy situations in your life because you have no choice. You cannot quit. You got to move forward. So you got to have help. So the help is that God's word is true. God's plan is right. And God show got the power. God's promise is true. God's plan is right. And God show got the power. God's promise is true. God's plan is right. And God show got the power. God's promise is true. God's plan is right. And God, y'all catching on, God's plan, promise is, God's plan is, and God, uh -huh, I'm going to try it over here. God's promise is, God's plan is, and God, when you got all of that working for you, why are you fearing the fog? What you got to be afraid of? And so David on the plane now gets waits on a later flight. And he gets on the plane and starts flying around. And he gets over above the clouds and sees the crisp blue sky. And he sees the beautiful, sparse, white, angelic-looking clouds that are sprinkled throughout that blue sky. And he can feel the warmth of the sun as it's lighting up and heating up what he's flying over. And that same voice that chastised him earlier says to him, Now, David, now do you see it from my vantage point? You wanted to trust somebody to fly you through the fog. And if you trust me, I'll fly you up over it. You might have to go through it as you're climbing, but remember, you're going up. It might be dark as you're going up, but remember, you're coming out. And when I get you out of the fog, I'm going to take you to your destination above the fog. So everything that's bothering everybody else down below you, even though you're still passing it by, it ain't going to touch you because you're trusting me to carry you through the fog. And as I'm done, I'm not going to hoop because I've given you enough to chew on all the way home. So I want you to realize that in this year, as we are moving forward, that you serve a God whose promise is true, whose plan is right, and he sure got the power. And you might, you might forget all three of them. And they might not come back at you all together, but I guarantee you, if you go with God this year, they'll pop up occasionally. 
You'll get to a situation where things looking crazy and y'all it'll hit you. God's plan is true. So his promises is true. So even though I don't see it right now, I got it. You might come to another situation and it might seem like you're going in the wrong direction and it seems like everybody around you is going a different way and it'll hit you in your spirit that God's plan for me is right. And when you're feeling depressed and you feel like all hope is lost and everything is going down, you can play me some dinner music because that way I know I won't holler. Yeah, yeah. If you if you thinking everything is going crazy in your life, all you got to remember is God show sure got the power. And not only is he above me, but he's with me. And everything I do, ministers, come forward at this time.